So this shear is obviously on the topic of Shmiris Halashen, of guarding one's tongue against forbidden speech. And tonight I want to speak about that, but really a little bit of a twist on Shmiris Halashen. Last time that we spoke a year ago, uh, it was focused primarily and actually totally on how bad it is to speak Lashen Hara and why it's so bad, and the aftermath of Lashon Hara, and how you can never take back what you said. Uh, tonight we're going to go a little bit off on a different element of Shmiris HaLashon that's not very commonly discussed. I have not been on, on the other 84 uh, lectures prior to this one, besides for my own, but I, uh, I, I am pretty confident that probably nobody touched on this particular topic. Uh, before we get to what that topic is, I want to just give a little bit of an introduction. When the Chavetz Chaim was a younger man, he set out to write his classic sefer called Shmiras Halashen and Chavetz Chaim, and that's where he got his his famous uh, name from. The Chavetz Chaim means he who the person who desires life, and that's from the verse in in Tehillim. That says, Miha Isha Chavitz Chaim, who is the man who desires life? Ayhev Yamim Lirais Taiv, who loves days to see good. Nitzar Lashain Chameira, the person who guards his tongue from speaking evil. So the Chavitz Chaim was known by this name because he named the Sefer that he was going to write, this classic on Lashon Hara, he named it the Chavitz Chaim, and then that name stuck. For him, everybody from then on knew Rabbi Yisrael Meir Kagan of Radin as the Chavetz Chaim. And until this day, people just say the words Chavetz Chaim and you immediately uh, conjure up in your mind a picture of him and the Isser to speak Lashon Hara. That's why many smart people, at least in the days that there was a landline, um, you know, I don't know if anyone else has a landline today, but I gave mine up a couple of years ago. We just use uh, cell phones today. But uh, in the days that we used to have landlines, then um, we put a picture, many people would put a picture of the Chavetz Chaim by their phone, and that would immediately remind them not to speak Lashnara, because his mere uh, image, his visage, is something that itself uh, automatically makes a person remember uh, how terrible it is to speak Lashnara. Why did he decide to write this Sefer on the laws of Lashnara? So we know that the founder of the Musar movement, a man by the name of Rabbi Yisrael Salanter, he was the one that told the Chafetz Chaim that I think it would be a very, very important contribution uh, to write on this particular area of Jewish law because there was no single work that compiled all of its relevant laws. There were works on the Chavetz Chaim, but not really super comprehensive like the Chavetz Chaim's work. And so at a relatively young age, he listened to this great Musser master, who is also a great Torah scholar, and he, uh, and he set out to write the Sefer on the Chavetz Chaim. Now, even though Rabbi Yisrael Salanter was the one who actually gave this suggestion to the Chavetz Chaim to write uh, on this uh, on this topic of Shmiras Halashen. But it's interesting that after the Chavetz Chaim had completed writing his Sefer, he asked Rabbi Yisrael Salanter for a Haskama, 
or a written approbation, like a letter that he could put and publish in the introduction to his book to show all people that the great Rabbi Yisrael Salanter approves the work that he is about to publish. Surprisingly, Rabbi Yisrael Salanter turned down the Chafetz Chaim in this request. He refused to give a haskama, an approbation to this to the Sefer that was about to be published, even though it was his idea to publish it. And the reason why Rabbi Saul Salanter uh, denied this request of the Chavetz Chaim was because there was one single law that he disagreed with. The Chavetz Chaim ruled uh, within, this, within this work that a very interesting case, that if a person, um, let's say before Yom Kippur, you want to ask forgiveness from your friend, uh, for speaking Lashon Hara, and he asks you, well, what, what did you do wrong to me? The Chavetz Chaim says you should tell him that I spoke Lashon Hara about you. And if he asks you, really, what did you say about me? You should tell him specifics that he could give you a real forgiveness. He could really, truly understand what you did wrong. And that way you would be granted a full atonement. So Rabbi Saul Salanter disagreed vehemently with this ruling of the Chavetz Chaim. And he said, how could you do this? It's very, you know, generous of you to like want to rid yourself of your averis, of your sins, of Lashon Hara, but look at what the, uh, the outcome is going to be. You're going to be harming the other person. Why should he have to suffer? Because you want to get mechila, you want to be a big tzaddik, but you're being a tzaddik on the other person's cheshpen, on the other person's account. He's going to feel terrible because now you said, you told him that you spoke Lashon Hara and you're going to tell him exactly what you said about him and to who, and that's going to end up really hurting him. So Rabbi Shal Salanter felt that that ruling was absolutely wrong. And what you should do, instead of, if you want to ask Mechila, just ask for what he calls a Mechila Klolis. Just ask in general, go over to your friend and ask, you know, if I did anything wrong to you, please forgive me. And that way the person will say, of course I forgive you. And he doesn't have to know that you spoke Lashon Hara about him and that you harmed his reputation, you were speaking badly, and you're going to make him feel really insulted and really upset. So that's the way to do it. But to actually do what the Chavetz Chaim recommended and to go over to this person and to ask uh, specifically to be Michael you, to forgive you because you spoke Lashon Hara about him, that he felt was very wrong to the degree that he refused to give an approbation to the Sefer. And the, and the Chavetz Chaim says, so just, you know, just give me a letter and you could write in the letter that you disagree with that one thing, but at least let people know that you love the rest of the Sefer. And he says, no, because people are going to, very few people actually read these approbations. So what's going to happen is you're going to uh, put my letter in the safer and then people are going to, they're just going to flip through the pages of the approbations. They're going to see Rabbi Saul Salanter gives his approval and he must approve on with every single uh, law that's mentioned in the safer, And that's just not true. So he was so strict with his own adherence to uh, to making sure that the halacha, and specifically this halacha of not hurting other people, was was met that he ab- he ab- actually refused the great Chavetz Chaim's request to give him a haskama to the Sefer. The Chavetz Chaim, of course, got other approbations, but it would have been probably a huge, huge, uh, uh, you know, win for the Chavetz Chaim uh, to get the great Rabbi Salanter's uh, haskama.
Now, the reason why I'm giving this long-winded introduction to the history of the Sefer Chavetz Chaim is because this is going to introduce to us um, what I want to speak about. When the Sefer was ultimately published and Rabbi Yisrael Salanter got his copy of this brand new, amazing work on Shmiris Halashen, he said, this is unbelievable. This work that the Chavetz Chaim wrote is really tremendous. And he says that the same way that the Chavetz Chaim wrote a book of um, laws about Lashon Hara, which means you're not allowed to speak bad about somebody and you're not allowed to tattle on somebody, you're not allowed to speak what we call Rechilos, which means that you're telling somebody what another person said badly about him, and all the, law, the laws of being Makabel Lashon Hara, that you shouldn't accept and listen to Lashon Hara and believe what you're hearing. There's so many halachas of Lashon Hara, and that was all covered uh, in a very, very thorough manner by the Chavetz Chaim. Rabbi Shosandi says, I think that another Sefer deserves to be written, not on the laws of Lashon Hara that was just done, but rather on the laws of the, for, to, the that it's forbidden to speak Devarim Betelim. What is Devarim Betelim? You're not allowed to waste your words either. Just like you're not allowed to speak Lashon Hara, which for obvious reasons, because you're really destroying another person's reputation and you're making them feel bad, and there are so many other reasons not to speak Lashon Hara, and the Torah gives so many uh, averas and mitzvahs in terms of if you hold back from speaking Lashon Hara, and if you do speak Lashon Hara, how, how many uh, violations uh, of Torah law you are, you are committing. But there's another thing, and that's why I said before that it's probably not as commonly known, and I doubt if it was ever even mentioned over this entire uh, long series, this beautiful series of lectures on uh, Shmir Salashan, is because it's maybe not technically Shmir Salashan, but it's certainly a sister to the laws of Lashon Hara, and that is that we're not supposed to be speaking uh, too much in general. The more that we talk in general... Not just, even if we're talking about things that are just, you know, they're not bad, they're just, they're just too, you're just talking too much, there's also a prohibition against doing that. And Abisal Salanter felt that that warrants a safer in and of itself. The laws of Isser, Devarim, Betelim, that a person is not supposed to just sit around and chill and, and talk and schmooze and schmooze and schmooze to the degree that um, you're just talking nonstop. That's something that itself is inherently dangerous. First of all, it might lead to Lashon Hara, but even if there's no Lashon Hara that's spoken, it's just not a good thing to be overly talkative. The Vilna Gain, in his famous letter that he wrote, uh, which we call Igeres Hagra, he wrote a letter to his wife and to his children as he was uh, making Aliyah, he was going to Eretz Yisrael, and he wrote to his uh, family to command them and to instruct them in certain behaviors. Uh, very fascinating uh, letter. Uh, if you want to read it in, uh, in English, you could probably find it online, the letter of the Vilna Gain, or you could find it in my first Sefer of that series that Reptovia so nicely um, gave me a plug for, which is called Great Jewish Letters. And in that book, I bring the entire letter in English, uh, which the Volnagain wrote, and there's so much to be gleaned from this letter. But one line that he writes in the letter 
is as follows. It's really, he's quoting from a, a chazal, from what the great rabbis had already said, but it's, it was made famous, I believe, through this letter. He says, Al kol rega varega, on each and every moment, sha'adam chaysem piv, that a person stops himself from talking, or literally he puts a muzzle, or she puts a muzzle on their mouth. It doesn't mean literally a muzzle. It means that a figurative muzzle, and that you, you hold yourself back from talking, not just Lashon Hara, but in general, just talking and talking and talking. Zeichel or Hagan is such a person that holds himself back. You want to talk, but you say, no, you know what, let me limit my amount of talking. I don't want to speak that much. You are Zeichel la'ar Haganis to the hidden light, that great spiritual hidden light. She'ein kalmalach uberia yachel l'shayer. That no malach, no angel, and no creation, no creature ever created by God is able to even imagine or measure how great the schar, how great the reward is when you hold back. You want to talk to somebody. Not, I'm not talking about Lashon Hara tonight so much. I'm talking about just some. You want to talk and you just like want to schmooze and schmooze and schmooze and, you know, without any major purpose. When you hold yourself back, even from that, for, for sure from Lashon Hara, but even speaking regular talk excessively, that itself, you get so much schar, so much reward in the next world that angels cannot even fathom that amount of, of schar that you will get, that you will receive for that ability to muzzle your mouth, even though you really are tempted to talk. Rabbi, it's amazing you say that because I've been saying for quite some time that if we didn't say 50% of things we say, just didn't say we'd be much better off. Oh yeah, we're gonna get to that. A hundred percent. That's where that's where we're gonna be discussing tonight. Exactly, a thousand percent. A hundred percent. Now there are many milas. There are many advantages to being quiet. The first one is that it's very important to acquire an ear that's able to listen to somebody else. There is a great expression uh, that says that a person never learns anything new by talking. By talking, all you're doing is you're just sort of regurgitating knowledge that you already have. But that is not something that, um, that you're going to learn anything new from. You'll only learn uh, by, by listening. No one ever learned a thing new from talking. Talking is good if you're trying to teach somebody, but if you really are, are interested genuinely in learning something new, you have to be able to, um, you have to be able to acquire for yourself what we call in Chazal an Eizen Shema'as, an ear that's able to listen, an ear that's able to be receptive to listening and to absorbing information. So the very first reason why a person should stop talking so much is because just on a very practical level, if you want to learn something, you have to stop talking. Talking is just a way of repeating knowledge that you know already, but when you stop talking and you start opening up your ear to listen, that's when you get real wisdom. Wisdom is acquired by people listening to other people. Another advantage of being quiet is that, like you just said, Reb Tovia, that when a person speaks too much, 
he's always going to regret things that he said. There is a, uh, a wonderful quote from the Chazanish, which is quoted by his nephew, Reb Chaim Kanievsky, in his Musr Sefer Archas Yesher. And he said as follows. He says that whenever I was quiet, which means that I never ever regretted something that I did not say. Sometimes you're sitting around the Shabbos table and you have something you want to throw in, but you know, you might, it might be offensive to somebody or it might be misunderstood by somebody. And you're like going back and forth in your mind. Should I say it? Shouldn't I say it? Should I say it? Shouldn't I say it? If you say it, there's a good chance that you're going to walk home from that meal, that Shabbos, saying, why did I have to say it? I have such charat, I so regret that I had to open up my big mouth and talk. Why couldn't I just, I saw now that the person was offended, the person blushed, the person wasn't, was, you know, felt bad about what I said. But if I didn't say it, let's say I would have opted for the plan B, the quiet route, and just not said anything. If I would have not said anything, the Chazanish says, I never ever regretted when I didn't say something. If I chose to be quiet, I was always happy. But when I chose to speak, when I wasn't sure if it was the right thing or not, I always very often had charata, I had remorse and regret about what I had, that I, what I emitted from my mouth. There's a, a great expression, it's better to be silent and let people think you are a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt. When I'm quiet, sometimes, yeah, you're sitting at a table and you're quiet, so people don't know, you know, maybe if you're smart, if you're not smart, if you have nothing to contribute. But once you open your mouth, then you have affirmed and confirmed that, you know, what you're saying is very often something that's foolish. So it's the safest thing to do when you're quiet. Silence is golden. The Gemara says that if, if a word is worth one, one golden coin, silence is worth two golden coins. And that's so true, because when you're quiet, you, you're safe. You didn't, you're not going to speak Lashon Hara, and you're not going to speak Rechilas, and you're not going to be speaking Nivol Peh. You're not going to be saying anything that's, that's, that, that, that's wrong, uh, that's morally wrong, that's ethically wrong, that's going to be embarrassing, that's going to hurt somebody's feelings, that's going to influence a person in the wrong way. It's so much safer just to be quiet. By being quiet, you'll learn a lot more. And even if you're not learning anymore, but you're able to know that I don't have to go to sleep tonight with regrets about what I said. When you shoot your mouth off and you keep talking and talking and talking, you just keep raising the, po- the probability that you're going to slip up and you're going to hurt somebody else's feelings. I think we've all experienced this so many times in our life that we regret that we said something, whether it was uh, you know, to a friend, whether it was to a relative, whether it was to somebody that we work with. We say something and we can never get it back. We can never take it back. And... And that's why um, they say that, that, that words are like arrows. They're not like swords, because a sword I could take out and then I could put back into my, into my sheath, but I, I can never draw back an arrow. Once the arrow is shot, I can never catch it again. And once my words come out of my mouth, and again, it's not just Lashonara. I know that we're trying to focus on Lashonara, and that's certainly true. That goes without saying. I think after so many, you know, so many classes 
on this topic. I think we all know well. It's, of course, important to review, and, and we should review this daily, but that how bad Lashonara is. But I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about general talking. In general, we mess up with friendships, with relationships, uh, with anybody when we start being... We, we shoot from the hip and we keep on, you know, talking and we don't think about what we're saying. If anyone's ever listened to a, uh, a class that Rabbi Victor Miller, Zechir Tzadik Levracha, gave, uh, he used to give very uh, popular classes. He was, I think, the person who you can really trace back the evolution of the using technology to spread Tyra, I think Rebekah Miller was certainly one of the first people to, to do this, to adopt modern technology to spread the word of Hashem. He had these very popular tapes, hundreds of tapes, every one of them was numbered, and people, there, he had a shul in, in, in Brooklyn that many people went to listen to him live, but of course there were so many people that lived all over the country and all over the world that didn't have that luxury, and this was before Torah Anytime came along and, you know, you couldn't just, uh, uh, you know, open the Internet because there was no Internet. This is going back to the 60s, the 70s. And so what he did was he had somebody that taped all of his classes and he sent them uh, to, you could subscribe to his tapes and they would be sent literally all over the world. And he had many Talmidim, many Hasidim that were virtual Talmidim. And he utilized this great medium of tapes at the time, I don't even know if the younger people on this, uh, you know, on the Zoom knows what a tape is, but, uh, you know, it was something that, you know, you, you basically put in a tape recorder and you could play it. And so he, so if you listen to his classes, he wasn't, uh, it's it sort of, and they didn't have an ability, I don't think, to speed up the, the speed like we have nowadays. So he spoke very slowly. And between every sentence, there was almost like a, you know, a saif pasuk. There was an end of a sentence. You like felt the period. And then it took like a few seconds until he said, until he started the next sentence. And, you know, you didn't understand, like, why is he speaking so slow? And somebody explained to me that he didn't just speak like we speak, like, you know, we're just like going from one sentence into another and just like a, a run on sentence that never ends. And there's no, there's no thought process. Every sentence he would not start until he completely had what he wanted to say in a perfect form, and only then would he shoot the trigger and release it. He didn't just keep on sh- talking, you know, randomly and, and, and off the cuff, and, and he wanted to know that whatever he said was true. And he said a lot of controversial things with Victor Miller. A lot of things, you know, were, were not, it wasn't like he was just speaking, you know, you know, just sweet, and, and sometimes he was very strong in his opinions, and he was famous for that, and that's what people loved about him. He, he said it like he saw it, but he wanted to make sure that whatever came out of his mouth should be uh, perfectly um, arranged and thought through and make sure that he's not going to say something that he had no intention of saying. And that happens all the time when we don't think and we just keep on talking. And I, I, you know, I could tell you a few times within the last few days that I happened to have done it myself. And I had great charata that I did it. Um, you know, you, it, it's a consequence of just talking a little bit too much. And it happens all the time. And this is what Rishel Salanter said, that you really need a safer just for Devar and Betalem, just not to talk. Forget about talking Lashon Hara, but not to talk so much. 
my father, Shalom, used to always uh, say when I was growing up, and I thought it was just something, I didn't know that it was, uh, I thought it was just like a, an old wives' tale that my father had in his, you know, in his arsenal of wisdom. He used to say that a person uh, has a certain amount of words in life to speak. When a person's born, he's given a certain amount. Of, every person's born with maybe a different number of words to speak. Maybe some people get a million, some people get a hundred thousand, some people get three million. I don't know, but whatever it is, as soon as you finish your your rationed amount of words, that's it. The person is not able to speak anymore, and the person the person's life is over. And so my father used to say that. I guess when he was trying to say in a nice way that you know, that you don't talk so much, he would basically say that, uh, you know, a person only has, is like an odometer as you're speaking, you know, I assume that it doesn't include words of Torah and davening and all, and when you're giving people, uh, you know, you're doing chesed for somebody and you're making, you're building somebody else up, but all, besides for mitzvahs that you're doing, when you're just speaking and you're just schmoozing, be very careful because every word that you're saying, think of an odometer that keeps on going and be careful because you might, you're just getting closer and closer and closer to your, to your ceiling of words that you were allotted in life. So I never knew where then later in life, I, you know, a couple of years ago, I found that this is actually a Sefer Hasidim. Sefer Hasidim is one of the Kadmainim, one of the early um, Rishainim. Uh, Rabbi Yudah Chassid wrote the Sefer Hasidim, and he said exactly this. He says that when you're born... A person, there's a decree exactly how many words you're going to be allotted. And if you talk more than you are allotted, that's it. You're, you're not going to be able to survive that. A person, so that's just one more reason why a person should really be very, filter his mouth or her mouth, you know, with utmost caution. Because if you want to live a nice, long, healthy life, you have to be able to conserve your words. If you knew that every word that you said was going to be taking away life, then you would make sure, uh, you know, not to not to speak. If every word is, let's say, a cigarette, uh, you know, that could chas v'shalom cause you damage, then we would just like we're so careful not to smoke. We're also we should be careful not to speak. And I don't want people to walk away tonight with the impression that I'm saying you should just be quiet and not have anything to say and just like always be a hermit. That's not true. The Chavetz Chaim himself was a good talker and he had enjoyable conversations to speak, to, to talk. And they say that you'd think that the Chavetz Chaim probably just sat with a tiny Stibor. He didn't speak his whole life. It's not true. He spoke and he was very, it was very enjoyable to speak to the Chavetz Chaim and he had a lot of interest. I'm talking about just trivial matters, just in just continuously talking and talking and talking. You know, I'm, a, I'm the Mashkiach in Lander College for Men, and, and I have uh, many Talmidim, and many of them are dating, and I've been on many uh, a Shidduch resume, which is when a boy or girl is dating in, in Shidduchim, so they each you know, have a resume, and on the resume, besides for other facts, they also have references to call. So I'm a reference on many boys' resumes. So one time a mother who was very smart, she called me, and she, because I was on her, on the resume that her daughter received for a prospective uh, boy, and she said, um, Rabbi Bamberger, I want to ask you a question. Um, is he, uh, you know, it, I heard that he's very quiet. I heard the boy's very quiet. Is it true? I said, I said, 
it's true, but I said, what, you, you, you want a blabbermouth for a son? Like, you know, yeah, he's quiet, but I think that's a, that, that's a good thing. That's a positive attribute. You don't want a, a son-in-law. You don't want your, your, your daughter to be married to somebody that just keeps on talking and talking and talking. That's not a good thing you want. She said, she said uh, but is he, does he have friends? So I said, he has, you know, he has friends. You know, he, he's not the life of the party. So she said to me, Bamberger, I don't care if he's the life of the party, but is he at the party? Is he at the party? And I always, like I said, you know, she's an Isha Chashuva, an Isha Chachama, like that she, you know, had that line. I always repeat that line. You know, I don't, it's okay. He doesn't have to be the life of the party. I want him to be at the party. And that's true. We should be at the party. This is not a sheer about like completely, uh, you know, shunning any sort of social, um, you know, settings, and we shouldn't be talking to anybody. We should just be, you know, conserving all those precious words and never schmoozing with people. Obviously, you know, it's important to talk. It's important to be a human being. It's important to be normal. And if you're at a Shabbos table or you're at a Yantiv table or you're at a, at a, you know, at a, at a Simcha, of course you should talk to people. That's normal. I'm not talking about that. And I don't think the Rabbi Suhal Salanter meant that either. But it means that that just be careful about what you're saying. Of course, you have to be careful about Shemir Salash and not speaking Lashonara. That goes without saying. And, and you have to be careful not to hurt other people's feelings and not to make people, not to slight anyone's honor. But in general, the less a person has to talk, the better. There are people that are very, they're conversationalists, but they're not the ones that are talking constantly. You just enjoy being in their presence. You could just talk and they're not, it's not a constant gab fest. It's just talking comfortably and that's nice. But sometimes we don't have that filter. We don't stop ourselves and we just keep on talking until we hit a brick wall. And that wall often is insulting somebody, making somebody feel bad, making somebody feel insecure, uh, abusing, abusing somebody verbally. It's bound to happen. If you keep talking, something bad is going to happen eventually. It's very hard to continuously talk without insulting, without hurting somebody. This is true for a husband and wife. It's true for a parent and child. It's true for, like I said before, uh, friends and coworkers and, and people that you meet casually. The less talk that you throw out, the better it is, the safer it is, the healthier it is. Say, but before you say it, think about what you're going to say. Make sure that it makes sense. Make sure that there's an introduction, uh, a body, and a conclusion, that it doesn't just keep on schlepping on and on and on, because if we do so, uh, it's going to be a very dangerous, dangerous uh, endeavor and enterprise, and much better and much uh, wiser is to listen to the advice, the sage advice of our sages, and that's to be, uh, to, to master the ability to be a shaskan, to master the art of being more on the quiet side than on the talkative side. I want to thank you so much for coming out tonight and listening to these words, and, um, and I want to wish again a refuah shlema, b'karev, to Nisan al-Shai ben Devara, and to Avram Chaim Tovia ben Miriam.